You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks, as always, for joining us this week. A terrible week for our constitutional republic, given President Biden's assault on Americans through these uh, vaccine mandate dictates he uh, is purporting to uh, have the authority to issue. I'll talk about that, of course. We have uh, a new uh, court development. We filed a new brief in our efforts to find out the full truth about 1-6. And uh, we also have new documents and new emails concerning the corrupted. And this obviously ties into uh, Biden's crazy speech this week, uh, into the corrupted CDC and the politicization of its recommendations that are supposed to be based on science, but seem to be based on politics. And of course, uh, this week also is the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and I believe it is the uh, ninth anniversary of another terrible day, which is the Benghazi attack, which was September 11, 2012. So I'll, I'll talk about that as well before uh, the end of our discussion here. First up, we have the uh, attack on our constitutional system of government by, again, President Joe Biden who now purports to have the authority, uh, either as president or granted him by Congress, to require vaccine mandates of large employers. Well, not that large employers, 100 employees or more. uh, That uh, I don't know what the rule exactly is going to say, but it's essentially going to require you to get a vaccine if you work for a large employer, 100 employees or more, or be submit yourselves to testing at least once a week. So never before in our nation's history has the federal government uh, uh, attempted to uh, enforce a a vaccine or medication mandate. And this is an activity that's obviously taking place in uh, in in the workplace. This is activity that you would be required to undergo outside the workplace in order to go to work. To take this vaccine, or as I say, uh, submit to testing. Now, in my view, it's unconstitutional. There's no lawful authority behind it. And of course, there'll be legal challenges. And and obviously, Judicial Watch will see if there's anything we can do in that regard, because uh, there's already a big line of states who have typically this type of authority, employers who have rights, employees who have rights who will be challenging this mandate in uh, jurisdictions across the country. And so I would suspect it's gonna be curtailed significantly by the courts, uh, especially given the Supreme Court's brushback of President Biden's unlawful uh, eviction moratorium uh, that he authority he purported to have based on a novel reading of a longstanding law. Now, the law that the president purports to, uh, and I'm I'm sure he's being told to say this because I think he doesn't have the cognitive capability of of, uh, dealing with this more directly. Uh, The uh, the OSHA law, the governing law there, allows OSHA to take steps to protect employers, employees from grave dangers. And in Biden's discombobulated way of talking about it, to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. Now, if you're a judge, what are you going to make of that? 
isn't it the purpose of getting vaccinated is to protect yourself from the unvaccinated or those who have a communicable disease otherwise? So they, they, I, I don't understand the logic here. I guess I do, but I'll tell you what's illogical first and I'll tell you why it's perfectly illogical. Uh, when they say you should get a vaccine because it's safe and effective, and will protect you while saying that employees who are vaccinated are at risk from the unvaccinated. How does that work? Well, it works if you are a totalitarian and you're an authoritarian who just wants to issue a mandate because you think people ought to take the vaccine. It doesn't matter what objections they have to it, whether they're reasonable or unreasonable. You don't, re you don't respect the rights of people to make their own determinations about their health care. You just don't. And this is coming from the same administration that has sued the state of Texas uh, to stop the, uh, the fetal heartbeat bill, which uh, prohibits abortions after a human being has a beating heart within the womb under this guise of uh, personal autonomy for women or birthing people, as the left is now saying. It's perfectly, but, but you know, they don't, they don't believe in anything they say. It's all about power and advocating power either on behalf of the state or their special interest groups, in this case, the abortion lobby in Texas. So it is tied together. If you don't think COVID and the craziness in Texas with uh, the left's attack on Texas's ability to protect unborn human beings after he heartbeat is detected is tied, then uh, you're not fully understanding the cravenness of the left because it's a power game. And when you understand it's a power game, what may seem inconsistent on the outside is perfectly consistent because internally they think we want to exercise power against our political enemies. And the president's talk last yesterday was full of misstatements and some people have called them lies. I'm, I'm not a, you know, I, lying suggests that there's a mendacity, there's a, you know, that someone knows what they're saying is untrue. You know, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if the president knows what he's saying at all in some respects, but certainly there were false statements designed to mislead by the people who wrote these statements for the president. And, you know, this isn't the issue of, of someone being generally right, but wrong on the specifics. This is an issue of the president of the United States suggesting that there is a, a crisis where there is none in our healthcare system, uh, suggesting that unvaccinated people are the reason for this health crisis. And behind all of this is suggesting that it's Trump supporters who are, behind, are, are responsible for this. Really terrible stuff, and um, in the sense that uh, we are facing uh, a government that is out of control in terms of its willingness. As I, I used to say about Obama, uh, he endeavors to be a despot, and we're hurtling towards despotism under President Biden. I mean, it's the it's it's the catch me if you can approach to governing. I'm going to do it, and I dare the courts to stop me or the courts will stop, may stop me, but I'll 
get away with a lot in the meantime. And certainly with the vaccine mandate, there are going to be many employers who on their own, where the law doesn't prohibit it, will use this as an excuse, whether or not it's ultimately found legal or not, to require, to require their employees uh, to take the vaccine. Now, you may think, well, this doesn't matter to me because I'm already vaccinated. Well, you're presuming the current definition of vaccination is going to hold up over time. The Biden administration is already strongly suggesting booster shots. I know there's a big debate as to whether those are needed or not or, or useful. So you may think you're vaccinated and these rules won't apply to you. What if you're told you to be fully vaccinated, you need a third booster or a fourth booster or who knows how many boosters? So this is an unprecedented power grab, grab by the presidency, by President Biden. If he's able to do this, what is he able not to do? What is he unable to do? What other medicines can he require you to take? What's the limiting principle here? Now, as I said, the states are going to challenge it. Employers are going to challenge it. We're going to, um, you know, we may, we, we, we may join in the challenges as well, depending on how our lawyers analyze what we're, whether we're able to contribute anything substantial. But you can bet that we're participating in the debate about the vaccination mandates and how the vaccines have been studied and uh, promoted by our government. And so um, I want to show you what we're doing here. Vaccine, but only I can't read it here. Vaccine concerns, heavy lifting judicial watch, investigating now. And I asked, I said, are you, are, do you support these vaccine mandates? And, you know, when we're doing the heavy lifting, I mean that our investigators already have Freedom of Information Act requests about the analysis of the vaccines. Because if you, I don't trust the FDA any more than I trust the FBI or the or the CIA or the DOJ, they're just, they're other government agencies. Now there are times when I'm persuaded by the advice of public health officials because they make sense or it seems to me they're pointing to sensible science or science that, is, that supports their recommendations. But on COVID, it's been completely political. And so our heavy lifting includes a number of Freedom of Information Act lawsuits against uh, the uh, F, uh, excuse me, NIH, the uh, uh, which also governs Fauci's agency. Uh, you can bet we have a we. I know we have a lawsuit coming related to the vaccine uh, on a key safety issue that people have questions about. So as everyone kind of just gets angry and talks about what you know people should be doing or not doing, Judicial Watch is just kind of doing the plotting necessary work to try to get the truth out, whether it be about Wuhan, whether it be about Fauci, what he knew and when, which of course uh, has been exposed further this week uh, by other material that's been released by a media organization. And, uh, and as I said, we've got comprehensive um, FOIAs on the handling of the vaccines and uh, this, the studies related uh, to the safety and efficacy of the vaccines. Now, I don't know if 
what's going to happen with the with the Biden um, vaccination mandate? I suspect it's going to fail almost um, almost immediately. It's it won't it won't get really much out of the starting gate. Uh, but you're still going to have this uh, attack on those who, for legitimate reasons or maybe illegitimate reasons, depending on your point of view, uh, don't want to be vaccinated. And when the government goes after people because of their private medical decisions, we all should be concerned because some of you may be very nervous about COVID-19. You don't want to get it. You think those who aren't vaccinated are somehow more risky in terms of transmissibility. But as I say, you can't have your cake, you need it too. If the vaccine is um, works sufficiently well, it's not, and I understand it's not going to be perfect. I'm not pretending that it should be perfect. Uh, but uh, wh why is it there's this focus on those who aren't vaccinated? And 70, 75% of the population that is eligible is vaccinated. Either they're working or they're not. So as I said earlier, just because you think you're vaccinated doesn't mean you will be considered to be vaccinated fully under the emerging analysis, to put it charitably, of uh, people like Fauci and company. Do you trust Fauci? <laughs> I don't. And I want to uh, quickly uh, go back to Fauci because he's been proven uh, to be a dissembler. And um, Ron Paul, Rand Paul has asked for uh, a criminal investigation by the Justice Department of his testimony when he denied, although I think his language was careful that would make a perjury charge difficult, doing gain-of-function research with the Wuhan Institute. And The Intercept, uh, which is a uh, left-wing news publication, obtained under the Freedom of Information Act, they had a lawsuit too, Judicial Watch has lawsuits on this topic as well, but they got the documents and good for them. This is why we should have everyone suing under FOIA because you never know what the government will give to one and withhold from the other or give the one and then give to the one a year later. I mean, it's just crazy the way it works. And I'm glad they were able to get the documents, but they showed that the specific study that the uh, that Fauci's agency had funded through this EcoHealth Alliance, which I'm sure you all know about now, was a gain-of-function uh, study on bad coronaviruses. I mean, the language, I, I, you'd have to be a sophist to engage in sophistry to suggest that it wasn't gain-of-function. And it's pretty clear it was. The Intercept, you know, concluded it, and they're, they're no friends of conservatives. And the question is, what did Fauci know and when? And, when I, and to tie it to Judicial Watch's FOIAs, we received many emails showing initially in 2020 that Fauci and, 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 uh, and, and his colleagues were very much concerned about whether their funding was behind the Wuhan Institute and was their funding uh, somehow tied to the emergence of the virus. And one of the studies they kept on listing, we, we saw it repeatedly and being sent to Fauci and other top officials that they should look at is this back coronavirus study, the same study by title. So we expect, expected to believe that they didn't see the documents describing what the study was that the intercept received and um, exposed? Of course not. So Fauci should be not only subject to a Justice Department investigation, but to, to an Inspector General investigation, 
And um, uh, there's going to be a big push to have him fired. Many people call him to be fired or resign. But in the least, he should be pulled back and pulled away from being the lead for the administration. I'm sure Joe Biden doesn't care what I think, but I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, if the administration is interested in having a, a persuasive public health voice, I would suggest they find someone that know that half the country doesn't believe and thinks is, is engaged in egregious ethical misconduct. So the crisis continues. I mean, we've got the border crisis. We have the Afghanistan crisis, which we're, I guess we're all supposed to forget about. And now we have this, again, this rule of law and constitutional crisis caused by the government response to COVID, which in my view has been, you know, completely inappropriate. So Judicial Watch will be front and center in investigating the new Biden abuses, his abuses of power. And obviously we'll be tracking litigation, which will be tremendous. It's gonna be all over the country. Texas, probably gonna sue, Georgia I'm sure will sue, DeSantis will sue, all these Republican governors will sue. Because remember there are state mandates or state laws I think Florida has a law that prohibits vaccine mandates. So this is going to be quite the legal battle. I think one is Biden's going to lose, but the fact that he was trying to exercise this abusive power um, is, again, is a, is a dangerous development for our constitutional form of government. And uh, speaking of abuse, um, it's the CDC. You know, the CDC, as I said, is a political organization uh, that sometimes has some good science behind it. You know, I remember looking at the CDC recommendations early on in the pandemic and there were never, you know, there was never a recommendation because they had recommendations for pandemic type of situations and shutdowns were never part of the equation. Massive statewide school closures were never part of the equation keeping healthy people at home were never part of the equation. All of this was just panic. And then in my view, malicious decision-making by political actors that led to these lockdowns and the damaging school closures and the other things that these non-pharmacological interventions that really had, in my view, made little sense. Now, this story is interesting because I'm, I have kind of a little different view than others have. Is the, uh, it's the teachers union's involvement in the CDC recommendations on masking, on school closures, on, uh, on, um, on social distancing. And we have new emails uh, through the Freedom of Information Act that show the CDC was giving uh, guidance to the CDC director on school COVID direct on school COVID uh, restrictions. Now, some of these emails have been previous re previously released. You may have read initially a few months ago, back in May. Uh, I think it was Americans for Public Trust, which is another public interest group, which is again did their own FOIAs and got separate sets of documents. Uh, found the CDs. Uh, excuse me, the teachers' union's involvement in this. Now, the teachers' union 
uh, the American Federation of Teachers and the National Educational Association, they're huge donors to uh, the Democrat Party. And, you know, they have a First Amendment right to do so, but they take a lot of teachers' money and spend it on politics. And so, as you might imagine, the Democrats pay attention to these big donors. And of course, you know, the money is only half the battle here if you're a politician running for office. What unions bring to the political table is manpower as well, volunteers, some of whom are paid by the unions to get out the vote and you know, do a lot of work for favored candidates. So that's why they're given, um, you know, that's why the party that they've chosen largely to associate themselves with the Democratic Party uh, often follows their lead. And as I said, these documents show in response to our FOIA requests that you know, they were pulling the CDC strings on this and talking to the White House on these issues. Now, I believe the CDC should be subject to political control. I believe if a union or in any other citizen or citizen group or citizen association or interest, they see that the CDC is gonna come up with a policy that is something that is inappropriate given their real world experience, the White House has a moral obligation and constitutional obligation to take the considered opinion of the CDC, but also take into account the concerns of American citizens. We're not run by, the country isn't run by quote scientists, it's run by the people who have a right to express their views on policy and what policy should be through their elected representatives, including the president. So I'm not as outraged by the unions or any other political or advocacy group or citizens, you know, trying to get the best policy they think they can get for whatever reason out of these agencies. But of course, the Biden administration told us that, oh, no, we weren't going to operate that way. We were going to follow the science. And what these emails show is that they were following the politics. This was a politically powerful donor to uh, the Democratic cause who was uh, effectively had a seat at the table with the CDC on designing these policies. A top official, Rebecca Pringle, president of the National Educational Association, emails the director of the CDC, uh, uh, Rochelle Rolinsky, who uh, to, for a advanced copy of the CDC school-related COVID-19 guidance. That's not clear she got it, but this is what she says in the PS of the email. Our team will be briefing the CDC and White House staff today on our embargoed vaccine research. I will be sure you receive the research memo with their findings after they meet today. So isn't it interesting that the CDC, among the research it's considering, is research by unions, teachers' unions. An email exchange on February 1st, 2021, AFT Senior Director of Health Issues, Kelly Troutner, uh, uh, writes CDC officials and White House officials for the rich discussion about the forthcoming CDC guidance. Thank you for Friday's rich discussion about the forthcoming CDC guidance and for your openness to the suggestions made by our president, Randy Weingarten and the AFT. We're hopeful that lines of communications will remain open, that we can serve as a true thought partner as you continue the important work towards safe reopening of schools. We crafted the language below using 
a National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health document, as well as language in some of our agreements with school employers. Thank you for considering it. AFT followed up with, and this is a White House official responding to uh, forwarding the email to Walensky, the CDC. Forwarding this written language. So you have the teachers union writing language on school closures for the CDC, it looks like. And the head of the AFT, excuse me, the head of CDC writes back. I just wanted to circle back and extend my gratitude for the language you have provided. Below, regrets for my delay in reply, but I wanted to be certain you knew it is being worked into with just the full small tweaks, the school reopening guidance. We've also included the executive summary you suggested. They're writing it. So when Biden said they're following the science, he's not telling the truth. That's not what's happening. The administration is working with political allies through the CDC to change policy and guidance as it relates to COVID. Do you think science had anything to do with President Biden's vaccine mandate and attack on Trump supporters as being responsible for killing people? Of course not. These emails show that's where they're coming from. It's all politics. So these emails are incredible. Some of them, as I said, have been released. Others are completely new thanks to uh, Judicial Watch's separate FOIA request. Uh, and um, the CDC is a corrupt organization. And it's, and it's a shame because it would be nice to have a sort of kind of like expert group that was above partisanship and you could trust to provide you information. But that's not true here. This is not public health. It's political. It's political. And these emails prove it. And Judicial Watch has, as, as, the, as the young people now say, the receipts. And so I said, what qualifies partisan teachers unions other than generous contributions to allied politicians to provide the CDC with public health guidance on reopening schools? The CDC is corrupted by politics and is dishonest when it suggests it is merely following the science. So um, I think there's going to be more coming out from HHS and the CDC about these communications with the teachers unions. So just keep that in the back of your mind as you hear about the mandates that Biden is promoting, that you can be sure will eventually be uh, extended to forcing children to take the vaccine in order to go to school or be tested or, or something similar. So there we are. We've got this crisis of governance caused by uh, the radical left using uh, and, and dishonest and, and craven politicians using because not you know some of these politicians are just craven i mean they say they believe something but they you know it's all about power it's it's the covid health crisis is you know is bad enough and i don't think it is a health crisis anymore we should just get back to our lives 
the crisis has been caused by the governments using COVID as an excuse to change our laws, restrict our liberties, change our election systems in a way that undermines confidence in them and otherwise undermine our constitutional republic. That's what Judicial Watch's focus has been on, exposing what's been going on, who's responsible, and what's the decision-making here. So at least there's a modicum of accountability. And speaking of accountability, uh, you know, the left has uh, put out this false narrative that uh, the attacks on 1-6 warrant, excuse me, the, the uh, the Capitol Hill disturbance on 1-6, January 6th. I even hate to call it 1-6 because it suggests a level of gravity that is warranted. And the left purposely uses that phraseology to compare it to 9-11. But obviously they've been using that as an excuse to restrict the civil liberties of Americans, restrict the right to uh, petition your government by Congress. Try to get on, try to walk around the hill these days to petition your member of Congress. Good luck. It used to be you could walk into the office buildings and go to your member of Congress. It's pretty tough to do now. You just can't do it. It's severely restricted. And so while they're taking these steps to quote, investigate January 6th that now entail uh, taking the private phone records of citizens and members of Congress and the social media records of citizens and members of Congress, a radical abuse of power that I've been warning you about for uh, a few years now, ever since Schiff did it by taking the phone records of the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and then publishing. Now they want to do it to countless Americans and other members of Congress. In addition to Devin Nunes, who was the first victim in the Giuliani um, targeting and spying operation. So what Judicial Watch is doing is that we're trying to hold Congress accountable and get the full truth about what went on on January 6th by asking for the videos from the riot, the day of the riot, that have been withheld. And they have taken the position not one second of those videos should be, videos should be turned over to the American people. Now, not, I don't know about you, but we have a right to those records, I believe. We have a right under the public right of public access uh, under the excuse me the right of public access to government information it's a common law right as i said last week it's a right that predates the constitution it's something you have simply as a citizen and they don't want to turn over one record and they're saying they can't and they, you know and all of that they, they, as i as i said they've used every every argument they could come up with. I think it was a half a dozen arguments as to why we can't see the records. And what Judicial Watch has done in response is sought discovery. So we've requested with the federal court in our case, a motion for discovery and it's our lawsuit against the US Capitol Police for emails and videos concerning the disturbance at the Capitol on January 6th. Congress, as I said, exempts itself from the Freedom of Information Act and we Judicial Watch brought this case under this common law right of public access to records, of, of access to public records. The Capitol Police declined to produce any of these records, any of them, including, as I said, any videos, arguing that the requested records are not public records, so it's Orwellian, and that the public interest doesn't warrant their release. So they say it's the worst day Comparable to 9-11, but we can't have anything about 
showing what happened that day. How do you like them apples? So Judicial Watch requested the court grant its ability to gather evidence from the U.S. Capitol Police about the preservation and use specifically of the January 6th videos. Because as you may know, the government's been saying that there are 14,000 video hours, 14,000 hours of video. And we can't get one second of them. This is what we wrote in the brief, our lawyer. Michael Pekesha, I think, is running this case. The case concerns whether the public has a right of access to records about what Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi has described as, quote, one of the darkest days in our nation's history, quote, an attack on our very democracy and an attack on the peaceful transfer of power. Speaker Pelosi has also stated it is imperative that we find the truth of that day and ensure that such an assault on our capital and democracy can not ever, ever again happen. Talk about hypocrisy, right? To find out the truth about what took place at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Now understand how defendant United States Capitol Police and other government entities responded on that day. Plaintiff Judicial Watch requested access to certain communications and video recordings. And we move for limited discovery to seek evidence to prove that the requested records are indeed public records subject to the common law right of access and the public's interest to disclosure outweighs the government's interest in keeping the records secret. As the Pelosi House seeks the confidential phone and social media records of countless Americans concerning January 6th, its U.S. Capitol Police is covering up 14,000 hours of video about what really happened that day. They should be required to explain under oath its reasons for refusing to turn over even one record of the January 6th videos excuse me, even one second of the January 6th videos to the American people. So we'll see what the court does there. You know, the Capitol Hill police, you know, the left pretends to be police, pretends to be concerned about police accountability. No, they just want to change what the police do. do. So um, they don't like law enforcement. They don't like enforcing the law against sort of property and personal crimes that the police typically handle. But if they were concerned about police accountability, why would they allow the Capitol Hill police to operate under a, a, a rubric of secrecy that no other police department in the United States of America would be allow, is allowed to operate under? Why is that? It's because it's a political police department. It's a political operation. The creature of Congress. It's run by politicians. And they think they should be immune from the accountability every other police department in the United States is subject to. The FBI would be subject to other law enforcement agencies run by the federal government. But Congress has its own political police force. And I use that word very carefully. Because it's run by politicians and answers to politicians. Except with none of the accountability to the people that the politicians report to represent. And Judicial Watch is trying to change that through our historic litigation. And again, this is where Judicial Watch is doing the heavy lifting that anyone else, everyone else can't or won't do. 
We had this major incident on January 6th as being used to attack Americans by the tens of millions by the Biden administration and his allies in Congress, the media and big tech. And we're the only ones in court right now suing for the details. I'm proud of the work and I encourage you to support it. Well, I would be remiss in not mentioning the anniversary of 9-11. It's the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And like every other significant event in American history, at least since Judicial Watch has been around, we launched investigations. We represented the family of a victim of 9-11. We still are in litigation against Afghanistan and against, uh, I think, Saudi Arabia. We exposed government misconduct behind um, the terrorist, uh, the handling of terrorist, the handling of the terrorist threat that led to 9-11 and then the handling of terrorists after 9-11. We represented an FBI agent who was desperate to try to stop terrorist activity in the United States and he was thwarted. And he tearfully apologized at a press conference to the victims of the terrorist attack because the FBI blew it. We exposed FBI and Justice Department and other agency lies about letting flights that presumably include the bin Laden family out of the country in the days after 9-11, special flights. We exposed the truth about that. We exposed the truth about the FBI's and the just and excuse me the by excuse me was it would have been the Bush administrations at the time using as a source Anwar Alawaki, who went on to become one of the most significant worldwide terrorist leaders, a U.S. citizen that Obama later killed, a U.S. citizen killed by an Obama drone strike. He was a government source. We exposed that and the details there. We exposed how uh, Bill Clinton was alerted to bin Laden's likelihood to be uh, uh, bin Laden's capabilities that would increase as a result of his going to Afghanistan. And, and this was five years before 9-11. Clinton did nothing about it. And all of these findings and more are uh, detailed in the various books we've published over the years Clean House, The Corruption Chronicles. I encourage you to get those two books, especially. The latest one is uh, uh, Assault on the Republic. I think it's Assault on the Republic. <laughs> but they're great books, and they really tell you how we got to this point in time, both for good and for bad. So, um, and I'll tell you my 9-11 story. I was supposed to go out on 9-11 to uh, do an episode of Politically Incorrect, which was the Bill Maher show then airing on ABC News. And I was flying out that morning and uh, I was flying out of Dallas. So I was going out to California. And you know, I noticed well, what was the delay in the plane? And I heard there was a hijacking. So I'm thinking, okay, well, there's gonna be a delay. So as you might imagine, it became the so we had law enforcement on the plane. It was pretty clear, or government officials on the plane, uh, that type. And it was pretty clear they became, were becoming increasingly agitated about something. 
So long story short, I got out of the I got out of the plane. The plane never took off. It was I think one of the um, it was just about to take off, but it was not. It did not take off. And um, I got into the airport, and you know I saw what was happening, and, and we left the airport. And thankfully, I was I wasn't on the earlier plane that Barbara Olson was on that flew out of Dallas, and she was also going out to record that program. So the two were. They record two shows in a day, and she was going to be on one show, was going to be the other one. So it was a close run thing for a lot of people. And, you know, it's not so much, I feel, I just wish Barbara Olson and some of those other folks had been on my plane. So 9 11 was a big deal, and it still is a big deal. Obviously, uh, we're seeing uh, in Afghanistan with Obama, with, excuse me, uh, Biden's terrible surrender there that has. Uh, further uh, in uh, furthered the goals of the terrorists that were responsible for 9/11 in a way that has never been furthered that hasn't been furthered in 20 years since then. Al Qaeda and now can practically speaking run amok in Afghanistan, and the Taliban that called them and enabled them and worked with them and partnered with them is now running the Afghanistan government again. And we'll probably get the support of the Spygen administration. So in many ways, we're, we're I wouldn't say we're as bad as, uh, in terms of the risk is as bad as it was just before 9-11, but the risk is substantial nevertheless. And of course, the other big 9-11 story is the Benghazi attack, which occurred on 9-11-2012. And you may recall when it occurred, we were all supposed to check our brains at the door and pretend it had nothing to do with terrorism. And Judicial Watch began, began a series of investigations that turned into my view, in my view, the most significant non-governmental investigations in American history. Because in investigating the, the Obama administration and Hillary Clinton's lies about F, uh, Benghazi, we uncovered the following, that they knew that there was an attack coming. The local security were acting as if there was an attack coming. Uh, they knew that the, there was, did you know there was no security the day of the attack? It had been shut down, practically speaking. And on the day of the attack, did you know that the military offered to go in and, and offered to go in in a way that could have saved lives, but that offer of assistance was denied, at least not acted upon by Obama and Hillary Clinton? Did you know all of that? It's all because of Judicial Watch. And it was because Judicial Watch found that uh, it was the White House, the Obama White House, behind the so-called talking points they used to blame the video as opposed to the terrorists that committed the terrorist attack on 9-11, 2012, that there was a select committee on Benghazi appointed. It was because of Judicial Watch. And it was also because of Judicial Watch's Benghazi litigation that we uncovered and forced the disclosure of the Clinton emails. So when I say it was the most important non-governmental investigation in American history, it led to the presidency of President Trump. That was the consequence of it. We had no idea what, what were the consequences were going to be. We were just doing our work as we do as a nonprofit. So that's an interesting history you probably won't hear from the liberal media. Because certainly Obama, you know, the reason he lied about the terrorist attack and Hillary lied was because they didn't want 
an al-Qaeda victory on the anniversary of 9-11. First ambassador killed in the line of duty since our, I think our Afghanistan ambassador, 79, Carter. And now in time for 9-11, I guess he was, Biden, you know, I guess he's, uh, his Benghazi was, uh, um, is, is uh, I, I guess his version of Benghazi makes the original Benghazi seem like piddly winks in some ways, right? As we come up on 9-11, we're in complete retreat. We, we're out of Afghanistan after being humiliated in a way we've ne- the United States has never been humiliated in American history by our own president, abandoning Americans, putting them in harm's way. happened in Benghazi and it happened in a nationwide in Afghanistan by the same gang. Really outrageous. So that, that's, you know, let's pray for the victims of 9-11. Um, you know, they're, look, I mean, even if a family member of yours dies under ordinary circumstances, you know, usually it's, you know, you never forget it. You, you miss them all the time. Imagine if they die under the circumstances of 9-11, the damage and, and, and the grief. So I hope we, I encourage you to pray for those who, families and friends of the victims of 9-11. Pray for America, whose national security has been severely weakened vis-a-vis the same people responsible for 9-11 by the Biden administration. You know, and, and you know, pray for the terrorists that they find God. It's, it'd probably be more effective policy than what <laughs> much of what has been spent on the last 20 years. So with that being said, um, Judicial Watch is on top of the Afghanistan scandal. We have a number of Freedom of Information Act requests. I've reviewed them. They're out there. They are designed to answer and demand accountability on the questions I know you have about Afghanistan. And you may be thinking, are they asking about this? Are they asking about that? What about that? You can bet we're investigating everything. I say that only with a slight exaggeration. And with that, I wish you uh, a great week. And I'll see you here next time on the Judicial Watch Weekly. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.